The Treasury's Bureau of the Fiscal Service laid out its most complete vision of what the future of financial management shared services will mean to agencies and vendors. The second request for information outlined the role of the Quality Service Management Office, or QSIMO, and how it hopes to reach the right mixture of standardization and flexibility. For when and how this will all become available to agencies, Federal News Network's Jason Miller spoke with the Bureau's Acting Commissioner, Matt Miller. Our target timeline, and this is quite honestly a pretty aggressive target when we think about the things that we need to accomplish, is that we would hope to try to have the initial marketplace available by the end of 2022. Um, One of the key uh, areas uh, that we'll have to focus on between now and then is we're partnering closely with GSA. We're working together with them to try to to determine what is the right acquisition approach to bring to bear all the commercial aspects of the marketplace. There's going to be a complex acquisition approach that we need to figure out. We need to be creative and innovative. And in trying to work out what that acquisition approach is, we've got some end goals in mind. From an agency standpoint, we want this marketplace that we would build. We want it to be um, easy to access, easy to navigate easy to consume the services that are needed from that marketplace. So we need to think about that in the acquisition approach. Uh, From an industry standpoint, we want to make sure that whatever approach we use to build this marketplace, that it allows for competition, that it allows for innovation, that it allows for on-ramps and off-ramps over time for different providers, that it allows for uh, new emerging enterprises and businesses to become a part of the marketplace. So there's a lot of careful thought and consideration into trying to nail down what's the right acquisition approach. Then executing that acquisition approach is, is going to take, you know, certainly many months to do. So again, really, when you put all that together, uh, an end of 22 uh, timeline, it's going to be here before you know it. In addition to executing that acquisition strategy, another key part of what we're going to have to do before we can stand up the marketplace is evaluate the potential solutions to determine you know, how they and to what extent they meet uh, the needs of the marketplace. So those are just a few things that are kind of driving uh, towards that timeline. I'll also draw your attention to one other thing, and this, this is a result of, uh, of another aspect of our agency engagement uh, over the past year. We also went out last year to agencies with a data call. Uh, data calls can be burdensome, so we, we tried to be very uh, diligent and prudent at, at the uh, information we were asking for. But really what we were trying to do was get feedback from agencies so that we could establish and then the QSMO maintain uh, kind of this baseline understanding of the federal financial management systems that are in place at agencies today. So we were asking for things like, you know, who's your system provider today, you know, the product, the version, the D-support dates, and also some information about the hosting arrangement. You know, are you hosted on-prem, in the cloud, you know, who's your hosting provider, that sort of thing. We, we got a really good response. And from that, the information has been very useful and it really helped validate and confirm the criticality of the need of establishing this marketplace as quickly as possible. So what we found is that while we didn't get detailed information from Department of Defense, and we know that they have many systems in place across uh, that vast enterprise, but even excluding DOD, from the other agencies, what we found out is that today there are in place 56 separate installations of core financial systems. And half of those are going to be in need of either a major upgrade or some sort of acquisition or action to extend their life beyond 2025. So just four years away, half of the agencies are gonna be facing some sort 
of modernization need. Also, 60% of those systems are hosted uh, on-prem today. And so again, those results of that data call uh, did a couple things. Number one, it helps us understand which agencies might have the more time-sensitive needs and where we need to focus our uh, partnership with, with agencies on to try to prioritize uh, adoption in the marketplace. But also, it definitely underscored the importance of and the need and the value of this marketplace well in advance of 2025. Otherwise, these agencies, uh, just like in the past, are going to be kind of left to their own to go through these uh, high-risk and complex uh, financial system modernization initiatives. I know you you and GSA are still working through the acquisition strategy. When do you hope to have that acquisition strategy finalized? We need to have that marketplace acquisition strategy really nailed down this summer. So we're, we're working very aggressively towards that. Our initial hopes then is that we would have uh, an RFP or solicitation or whatever the appropriate step is um, based on that acquisition strategy is that we would have something uh, like like that or of that nature um, released uh, by the end of the fiscal year. So again, that that date's a little bit dependent on again finalizing the approach, but but that gives you a rough timeline of what we're hoping and trying to march for. Again, if if we're going to have a marketplace uh, up by the end of 2022, uh, we're not going to be able to extend those dates much beyond what I just mentioned. We know based on history that there are agency providers, you know, providing financial management. Treasury, ARC was one of them. Interior Business Center, National Finance Center, just a couple to, to come to mind. How are you engaging with them if not through this RFI or, are, or, or that's a separate kind of engagement? Part of the underlying guidance and part of our charge as the QSMO is, yes, we engage with agencies broadly um, as agencies need to be consumers in this marketplace. But in addition to that agency engagement, we have a, a separate a kind of work stream or track of engagement specifically with those four legacy providers to try to determine what is their appetite to continue to provide those type or similar type services in the future in the marketplace, ensuring that the, the senior leadership of their parent organizations support that. So we've had a lot of engagement with those providers uh, trying to get clarity around that. While all the agencies can be consumers of the marketplace, we would expect that even even one of these federal providers that wants to maybe offer their services in the marketplace, we still would be looking for their commitment that that they ultimately would be also consumers in the marketplace. And what I mean by that is, uh, again, really to try to get to more standard cloud-based modern financial systems, reduce the number of different systems that are out there or variations of configurations of systems out there at agencies we would be looking for if one of those legacy federal providers wants to be a provider of their services, you know, whether that be transaction processing or, or the like in the marketplace, we're looking for their commitment that they will ultimately adopt those same modern commercially provided cloud-based financial system solutions in the marketplace. And in fact, one of the other things we're looking for those legacy federal providers to sign up to be is to be early adopters even of those financial system solutions in the marketplace. Matt Miller, Acting Commissioner for the Bureau of the Fiscal Service, speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including commander, 
Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. And that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon. Um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me. And he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, What I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean 
and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Looking for holiday gifts for less? Come to Ross and say, yeah, 
to making your dollar stretch on name brand toys, clothes, and gifts. Get the gift of savings this holiday from Ross. Yes for less. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 